Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Pastor John Mark Caton returns to continue our series titled, Mad Men of the Old Testament. Today, Pastor John Mark gives us six different life lessons from a madman named Jonah. Now, let's hear from John Mark. Well, it's good seeing you. I uh, want to invite you to reach and grab your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Jonah. Uh, and uh, as we uh, continue our series, we've been looking at kind of madmen of the Old Testament. I uh, want to encourage you, uh, if you missed uh, the last couple of weeks, you can find them uh, on our podcast. If you ever miss or you're out of town, you can find them on the podcast or usually uh, drop that afternoon. Uh, and so the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a couple of madmen in the Old Testament. Uh, we looked at Nabal. Uh, I remember, remember the fool uh, that no one could talk to. His, full, his family was always covering for him, embarrassed uh, for him, and ultimately uh, he died. So we want to encourage us, man, don't be foolish. Uh, last week, we looked at a guy uh, who had amazing promise. He stood head and shoulders above uh, all the other men in all of Israel. A guy named Saul, first king over Israel. Uh, but Saul was always jealous of someone else. He was always uh, jealous of someone else that God blessed. And, and as a result, he never really became every, everything that God wants me to be. And I, I just want to stop. As we go through these kind of series, uh, guys, uh, I never develop a message uh, that is directed at one dude. I had a guy text me jokingly, and he goes, hey, did you, uh, uh, based on a conversation we had just had, he goes, was that for me? And I will promise you, I will never develop a message just for you, unless you've got an incredible story. Uh, but, uh, but I want you to know, if something hits you, that's the Spirit of God speaking to us, especially in moments like these. I can promise uh, as we go back and uh, just preparing and studying for these things, there were a couple of things uh, in Nabal, Nabal's life that I was like, you know, I, I'm that dude every once in a while, right? I'm that dude every once in a while. Or in Saul's life, uh, I'm like, I'm that dude every once in a while. And today, uh, when we look at Jonah, uh, we're going to have to acknowledge I'm that dude from time to time. And so I want to encourage us when we think about madmen of the Old Testament, let's look at their example. And we want to take their example and acknowledge that it probably applies to us. So guys, don't ever sit there when we look at kind of uh, some of these dark characteristics of some of these uh, men in God's Word. Uh, when we look at those things, what we want to immediately do is ask ourselves the question, is that me? And if it is me, how can I change and make sure it's no longer me? Or if it's a particular habit or characteristic or something that I go through day by day, how can I minimize those things in my life so I can continue to maximize God's work in my life? Uh, so we've looked at Nabal, we've looked at Saul, some uh, mad men of the Bible. Today we look at a guy named Jonah. Jonah is uh, the, probably the most well-known uh, minor prophet in the Old Testament. A lot of you at least probably know uh, the outline sketch, the beginning and the end of the story, or at least you know uh, the big fish uh, part of the story. And uh, as we think about Jonah here, he's kind of an interesting character. His name means dove. Uh, he is a minor prophet that if you read the book of Jonah, there's actually not a prophecy. There's no prophecy in all of Jonah. There's, it's more of a history of a minor prophet named Jonah. Now, there's a lot of uh, things that we can glean from Jonah's story. Uh, Jonah is a man that we're going to see here in a few seconds, a lot like us, who God has a call in his life. 
And Jonah just really doesn't like what God's called him to do. Anybody ever been that way in here? Anybody in that, that way right now? How do you like that? Uh, anybody in, in here uh, like that right now that, man, you just feel like God is calling you to do something and you're like, God, can you do something different in my life? Can you, can you change your call on my life? That's exactly what Jonah said. Jonah is asked to go uh, to a group called Nineveh. And uh, Nineveh was probably about 220 miles northwest of Baghdad today, if you want to kind of pull it up on your Google Maps, find to figure out where it is. Kind of, kind of 220 miles uh, north of Baghdad uh, for today. The, the, uh, the Ninevites uh, were just simply stated horrible people. They were horrible people. Uh, they, uh, they were cruel, they were mean, they were mar marauders. Uh, they were actually not just, it'd be one thing for us to think, we could think about uh, uh, countries around the world where like, well, that's just kind of a cruel dictator. Or, or that would be a hard country to live in. Imagine God calling you to go to that country to preach to those people. And you kind of in your own heart, and your own mind, you're like, I, I really don't want God to show them grace. I want God to send judgment over there. And that's exactly the story uh, from the book of Jonah, is that Jonah is called to do something he really doesn't want to do. The Ninevites, uh, they were harsh, they were cruel, they were mean, they were, uh, they were about as anti-God as you could possibly imagine. And God shows up to this guy named Jonah and calls him to go preach to them. Just a simple message. Matter of fact, if you read the book, and we're not going to read the whole book, I'm just going to take some highlights and, 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 and identify with some lessons for our own life. Uh, he, he pretty much preaches an eight-word sermon. How many of you would love some Sunday morning for we, me to stand? I haven't even finished the question. Bunch of nayballs. How many of you would love for me to stand up on Sunday morning and preach an eight-word sermon? All right, let me, here is the part, better part of the story. And everybody gets saved, all right? So y'all aren't even willing to hold your hand up on the everybody gets saved part. Just as long as I preach a short sermon is all y'all care about. I love you guys too. All right, but that's the point. Remember, eight words. He preaches about an eight-word sermon, and it's over. And what's interesting is as he's preaching this sermon, he's reluctant. He really didn't want to go preach it to begin with. We're going to see about that here in a second. But when he preaches it, the last thing he wants to happen is something good. And they have an entire revival in all of Nineveh. And then that dude gets mad at God because he saved someone he didn't like. And so, guys, when we look at this guy's story, when we look at, at Jonah, sadly, there's a lot more Jonah in all of us than we care to admit. And so that's why when we look at guys like Jonah in the Old Testament, don't just think, from, think about it from a historical perspective. Always bring it back and apply it in a personal perspective. That in what areas of my life am I like Jonah? And how can I change that? And how can I stop it? 
So let me give you, and I want to encourage you to take out your notes in your phone or something. I'm just going to give you a couple of thoughts, and I'll show you a few verses. And the point of the story today is really not for me to tell you the story. You know the story. It's just to draw out uh, some lessons from the life of Jonah. And then you take them and apply them to your own heart and your own life. So when we think about Jonah, this minor prophet, the most well-known minor prophet, the minor prophet that there's really not a prophecy in the prophet's book, it's a history of Jonah. All right. And by the way, I want you to know it's a history um, that about the only thing he did right was finally preached the eight word sermon. And then even at the end of the book, he's mad at God. And so as we journey through Jonah's life, see where you're like Jonah. And then let's change it. Let's be the kind of men that God can use. So let me give you uh, some life lessons from the bad men. Here's number one. If you want to run from God, there are no shortage of boats to take you that way. If you want to run from God, there are no shortage of paths for you to leave God. If you want to run from God, there are no shortage of temptations Satan will use to get you to go in the other direction. You say, where do you see this? Pick it up in verse, verse 1, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Justin's got it on the screen. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, this minor prophet. Jump, for, jump forward to verse 2. He says, go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. All right, Nineveh, 220 miles northwest of, uh, of Baghdad, evil city, uh, an Assyrian city, a hated city. And it was, by the way, you and I, and, and we're blessed in our country in such a space and in such a way that, that we know there are some horrible countries around the world, right? But they're not right next to us, and they don't every time we grow a crop come in and steal our crop. See, that's really what, what Israel understood, is the Assyrians weren't some mean people we read about in a history book or, or Encyclopedia Britannica. I mean, they were right next door, and they were always destroying them, always lighting them up. And so God says, hey, go preach to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it uh, and its wickedness, because its wickedness has come up before me. Look at verse 3. It says, but Jonah ran away from God. That's thought number one, guys. If you ever want to run away from God, there are no shortage of paths you can take. There are no shortage of paths or temptations that Satan won't put in your way and offer you. If you want to run from God, you can do it. But it makes you a fool because we ultimately never end up being where God wants us to be. And so continue to read. It says in verse 3, But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Uh, he went down to Joppa, the exact opposite direction, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went on board and sailed uh, for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So life lesson number one from Jonah. Guys, if you want to run from the Lord, you'll find a path. You'll find people to take you that way. You'll find a boat headed away from God. You'll find a temptation or an addiction that will lead you down the wrong way. You will find friends who happily will go hand in hand or arm in arm or at least walk down the road with you on your way away from God, right? All right, that's thought number one. Now here's number two. Every decision you make as a dude affects those around you. We've seen that with Nabal. 
where Nabal, uh, the way he spoke to David, he endangered not only the wife he loved and the family and the kids that he had, but all the men that were around him. So guys, here's what we need to understand. The, the way God has created us as men, every decision that we make affects those around us. You say, Pastor, where do you see this? Uh, pick it up. Look at verse 7, Jonah chapter 1. Uh, now he's gotten on this boat. There's a storm. Uh, Jonah does what? He goes down in the bottom of the boat. He falls asleep. Uh, man, this very uh, emblematic um, resembles very much what happens to the people around us when we make poor decisions and decisions not to follow God. Pick it up, verse 7. It says, then the sailors, now there's a storm come up said to each other, come let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked Jonah, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? They're asking good questions. Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? So Jonah's sin, Jonah's not uh, unwillingness to just simply follow God, not, not only does he find a path to run in the opposite direction, but his sin is affecting those around him. And guys, so that's thought number two is we have to remember when I am not walking with God, I am probably hurting those I love. I'm gonna just write that down. When I am not walking with God, I am probably hurting those I love. Here's number three. God's going to get your attention. God's going to get your attention somehow some way will you take note of it will you see it you say well what happened here well uh god got his attention through a storm but if you jump down to verse 17 uh, it says now the lord provided a huge fish to swallow jonah and jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights so here's what happens jonah runs from god he endangers all the people that he's with hurts them God sends a storm. They ultimately cast lots. The lot fell on Jonah. Jonah said, I'm a prophet of God. I shouldn't be heading towards Joppa. I shouldn't be heading towards Nineveh. Throw me overboard. They throw, they throw him overboard. God gets his attention, finds a belly of a fish. He finds himself in the belly of a fish. Guys, God's going to get your attention. You might find yourself in a storm of your life. You might be going through relational difficulties or financial difficulties. You might be going through a divorce. You might uh, uh, get laid off. You might go through. There are going to be some difficult situations if you are heading the wrong way. God is going to get your attention. You might find yourself in the belly of a great fish. Metaphorically speaking, that, that there will be seasons or times when God is trying to get your attention, that he will allow you to go through something. go through something to simply get your attention and the best thing we can do in those seasons is really wise up because we don't want to be a madman that simply doubles down on bad decisions 
We don't want to double down on running from God. We don't want to double down on hurting those around us. We want to instead be the kind of men that wake up and cry out to God. And so thought number three is simply this, God will get your attention. Here's number four as we just continue to walk through this simple book. Um, it's never too late to pray. It's never too late to pray. And here's the second thought. There's never a bad place to pray. There's never a bad place to pray. Guys, please, please, please don't think Sunday morning in worship is the only time I can pray or at the beginning or end of meals is the only time I can pray. There is never a bad time to pray. Uh, notice what we see uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, from inside that great fish, uh, Jonah 2, verse 1, it says, from inside that great fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Man, note, God will let you get into the depths of a difficult season or a hard season if it'll prompt you to pray. God will allow you to get into, a, into the depths of a difficult situation if it will prompt you to pray. Let's be honest, the way a lot of us are built as dudes, the only time I'm prone to pray, if I just don't make it a discipline and a habit, is when I'm in a dark season. Am I the only dude in the room that's that way? Uh, until then, what am I? I am a doer. I am a, uh, I, I, I want, I've got this list of things I want to do. I know I need to do this, this, this. So a lot of times God has to allow me to go into that deep, dark, difficult season for me to be prompted to pray. But I will tell you, even if it's been a season or a long time since you prayed last, there is never, ever, ever a bad time to pray. And don't ever forget that. So now, now jump down to verse 10. It says, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. So here's what happened. So Jonah immediately was called to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was spiteful people and angry people, a hateful people. So he goes the other way. He ultimately endangers those he's with, but there's never an absence of opportunities for you to run from God. There will always be temptations and people who will take you in the wrong direction. They'll go with you. You're going to endanger them. God will allow you to go through a difficult season. He will put you in a dark space, hoping you will cry out to him. It is never, there is never a bad time to pray. And then God begins to move and he spits him up. Love that word, that Hebrew word vomit that they translate there means vomit by the way just wanted to share that with y'all uh just to get that vivid image in there can't you just smell it you ever just smelled vomit can you imagine what jonah smelled like uh hopefully you're not sitting by a dude that smells like vomit this morning uh but uh you know here it is so he prays god causes the great fish commands the great fish cough him up vomit him up uh onto dry ground so here's number five you ready we're just going to continue god gives second chances god gives us second chances to do the first thing he told us to do god will give you guys a second chance to do the first thing he told you to do and don't ever forget that a lot of times when we get in those spaces and places and dark, difficult season, headed in the wrong direction, we turn around and we come back to God. Guess what? God's still going to be asking you to be the man he wants you to be, to be the husband he wants you to be, 
to be the father he wants you to be, to be the faithful servant in his church that he wants you to be. When Jonah comes back, God didn't change the plan. All right, John, I realize you didn't really like that one. So how about this? Go, go preach to this group or, or join that group. But instead, God come, when Jonah comes back, God says, now, remember what I asked you to do? And so, guys, if you're sitting here or you're listening to this on podcast, podcast is there some attitude that you have? that's hurting your family, that's hurting yourself, that's hurting others you love? Uh, is there an addiction you're walking through that you're running from God? Or is there, are there a relationship that God is saying, don't head down that path anymore? Is there something in your life where you're running away from God? Man, when you repent and turn back, God's going to ask you to do what he asked you to do the first time. Yes, he'll give you a second chance. And that's the beautiful thing about God being the God of grace. And so you pick that up in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Everybody say a second time. He says, Go, go where? To the great city of Nineveh. Here we go again. God will give you a second chance to do what he asked you to do the first time. Uh, great city of Nineveh. And to proclaim it to it, the message I will give you. So that's thought number five. Here's six. The only acceptable answer for a real man of God is obedience. The only acceptable answer for a real man of God is obedience. If we ultimately want to be the kind of men that God wants us to be, we've got to start saying yes. Men, we've got to start being yes men to God. Man, when we, when we stand up and say, hey, um, we need some people uh, to serve in children's ministry and student ministry or in connections ministry or usher or whatever. Can, can I just tell you that, that the men don't need to be the ones to say, yeah, yeah, someone needs to do that. It needs to be you. It needs to be me. Man, when someone needs to step up in your family, guys, it needs to be you. It needs to be me. That's what God is calling us to do. We need to be the kind of men that the answer is yes. It's not maybe or it's not I'll pray for someone else. The answer is yes. And I, I love that. That's, that's exactly what God calls him to do. So notice Jonah chapter 3 verse 3. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. God gave him a second chance to do the first thing he asked him to do. And so as, as you look at Jonah, circle that word obey. Just like vomit means vomit, obey means obey. Now, there, there, there's not shades of obey, guy, guys. There's just obey. And I think there are some guys here that, that God is calling you to step up and really change some things in your lives. To confess some things in your life. Repent of some things in your life. But then also go do what God has called you to do. I'll just tell you, every dude in this room needs to be doing something every Sunday morning. I don't know what. I don't know what. I mean, that y'all don't all need. How many of you know you don't all need to be working in the children's ministry, right? If your first thought when you walk into a children's ministry class is they all need a spanking, that's probably not your ministry, <laughs> right? Right? 
you need to go to student ministry. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, the, the reality, when I look around here, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If you love God and you're called of God, when I walk in here on Sunday morning, every one of you dudes need to be serving somewhere, period. I'll guarantee you God is calling you to do something. I don't know where. I don't want to define that. But I guarantee you between Justin, Justin, and Sloan, they can help you find your place. Man, there's always something that God has called us to do. So it says, so Jonah obeyed the Lord. Here's number seven. God offers grace to people when even we don't. See, that's what Jonah was afraid of to begin with. Is that these people who probably the world at the time, now again, they didn't have the World Wide Web, they didn't have CNN, they didn't have Fox News that could report on everything that is done in North Korea or everything that is done in China or everything that was done in some other uh, bad place around the world or Venezuela, we, they didn't have that. But what they knew locally is if there were some awful people, it was the Ninevites. They were mean, cruel, vicious, hateful, prejudiced. And Jonah's fear all along was, I'm going to go preach to them, and either I'm going to die or they're going to repent. And I know that God is a loving and compassionate and gracious God. His greatest fear was that they would repent. Anybody... Uh, Anybody ever had this happen to you that, uh, boy, you've kind of had a, a mortal enemy in your life? Not a mortal enemy, but, but just a dude you just didn't get along with for a while. Don't raise your hand. Please don't point at him. But then all of a sudden you hear that dude gets saved or that dude, that dude just, he, he changed his life and he became a deacon at another church or he did this or did this and you're like, Golly, I just kind of really wanted him to turn out sorry. Anyway, have y'all noticed that I'm, I, I feel everything y'all feel because everybody in here knows that dude, right? You're like, it, God, why did you bless him? That's what Jonah was worried about, is that God was going to bless someone that they hated. And so, guys, here's what I want you to know. God's going to give grace to people even when we don't. You say, where do you see this? Um, uh, look, at, look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 7. It says, this is their proclamation. Uh, he issued in Nineveh. You just see it, eight words. And then if you pick it up, reading in verse 8, it says, let everyone uh, call urgently on God. This was the response. Let everybody call urgently on God. Let them give up evil uh, ways and all of their violence. Jump to verse 10. This is their response, man. When God saw what, he, what they did and how they turned from their wicked ways, he relented and did not bring them the destruction that he had threatened. Here it is. Jonah preaches an eight-word sermon. They, they totally repent. Nineveh does. And God relents on judging, judging them. You would think, if I am a prophet evangelist, I preach one sermon. By the way, he wasn't even Billy Graham. 
you know how Billy Graham's model was and a lot of campaign models, is they send these advanced teams in, right? These advanced teams. They kind of warm the city up spiritually. Nothing wrong with those. Those are good things. Advanced teams. And then all of a sudden they get the, get the Christians together and they get them ready, all of them motivated and all of them praying. And then they, they get the venue and they get the venue and everything that happened. And then they have these multiple uh, nights and they know they're all building to that last night. He had none of that. He just rolled into the city and said, repent or God's going to burn it down. And all of Nineveh responded and relented of their wicked ways. They started fasting. They started praying. And what happens is God offers grace, guys, even when we don't. Part of growing in our faith is that if you ever hear that that dude that you just don't like, or that family you don't like, or that lady that, that just has done you wrong, if you ever hear that God gets a hold of their heart, celebrate. Celebrate. Because, let's be honest, guys, there could be some dude in somebody else's men's Bible study that is shocked you got God's grace. They're sitting there thinking the same thing about you. They say, you mean you go to a Bible study? Yeah. Man, don't ever be shocked that God gives grace, even to people that we don't. Here's the next thought. Here's number eight. We've got two more, by the way. God's grace is not limited by our prejudice. God's grace is never limited by our prejudice. And that's what we see. You say, pick it up in verse four, uh, chapter four, verse one. It says, but to Jonah... This seemed very wrong, that these sorry folks didn't get the judgment of God. But to Jonah, this seemed wrong. He became very angry. Man, he just became angry. Don't ever forget about God's grace in your own life. Uh, he prayed to the Lord, I knew you are, great, you are gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger and abounding to love, a God who relents from sending out calamity. Then jump down to verse 3, he says, Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, here, imagine this. He preaches an eight-word sermon. All the city uh, responds, and he is just so angry because he hates these people so much, his own, uh, his own prejudice that he would rather die than celebrate that God had been gracious and compassionate on them. Guys, we don't ever want to be that way. Man, I pray that we are a church filled with men and filled with people, guys, that we want God's grace for everyone because we understand how, God, how gracious God was with us. That we want to be a place and a space of God's grace and God's love. And so God's grace is never limited, guys, by our prejudice. He hated the Ninevites. But God, in his abounding and amazing love, showed them grace. Here's number nine in the fast one. Last one. God is more concerned about people than he is about your comfort. God is more concerned about other people than he is about you being comfortable. And me be uncomfortable. You say, where do you see this? Uh, go down, pick it up, verse 10. It says, but the Lord uh, said, you are more concerned about a plant 
that you did not even tend to or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and then it died. And I should not have concern for a great city. This is God talking to Jonah. I'm going to tell you the story in a second. In which there are many, uh, there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand. So here's what happened. So Jonah preaches. Nineveh repents. Jonah gets angry, goes up on a mountainside. There's a hot scorching wind coming through. Uh, Jonah builds him a little shelter because he's sulking that all of these Ninevites have received God's grace. God sends a plant to provide a little shade. Jonah had nothing to do with the plant. Then God provided uh, a worm to eat the plant and a scorching wind just to make Jonah uncomfortable. And then Jonah gets angry. God, how could you let this plant die? It was providing shade for me. And God just looks at him and says, how could you be more concerned about a plant than people? And guys, that's the thought I want to leave us with today. As we think about don't be Nabal, he was a fool. Don't be Saul, he was jealous and never shared the spotlight. But don't be Jonah. We never want to care more about our comfort than we do about other people. And when that thought invades our heart, invades our mind, invades our action, and ultimately becomes who we are as a church, then God will really use us. When we collectively as men say, God cares more about people than he does our comfort. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, I pray that as men that we would glean these insights, that we would understand what you would want us to do. God, I pray that every man in this room was challenged. We all have these areas in our life where we've chosen a path away from your will and not towards your will. God, let us be the kind of men that are willing to do the first thing you told us to do, regardless of how long we've disobeyed. And let us never, ever, ever be more concerned with our own comfort than we are people that you want us to introduce the gospel to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next week for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.